This morning, we are in John chapter 9, so on your Bible apps, if you wish to turn to John 9, you'll be able to follow along. I'm not going to read the entire scripture, but I'm going to be talking today as we are concluding our sermon series on sharing our faith on the most important thing we need to learn when we talk to people. It's called keep it simple. That phrase literally changed my life. Or at least it changes my life when I remember to use that phrase. Other times, I, like all of you, can complicate everything. Do I get a big amen? We can all do that. One of my favorite characters in, in television, now you've got to understand, I don't know anything that was made after 1980, so you've got to put yourself in my time period. Yes, I'm on my 57th viewing of the Waltons, I kid you not. One of my favorite personalities in television is from all in the family, Edith Munker. Edith could complicate anything. You ask her a simple question, and she just talked all over the place, and there's all these famous scenes of, of Archie just being like, Edith, could you just get to the point? And I went back and I looked at some of them, and I knew they were humorous. So think of how long a television show lasts. It's a half an hour, which means taking out the commercials, what is probably 20 minutes of actually a show. I started timing those rants or those kind of weaving stories Edith did. They were about two and a half to three minutes long. And so the tension was just there as you would just kind of feel Archie going, honey, could you just get to the point here? Only he didn't do it quite so politely. Learning to keep it simple, because we too often become like Edith Bunker. We have a simple thing to tell someone, and we don't just simply tell it to them. Bless has been our attempt to try to make evangelism understandable and simple. It is a simple little acronym, acronym. B for begin with prayer. L, listen. E, eat with somebody. Take somebody out for coffee. Invite them over to your house for a cookout. S, serve, and we talked last week how serve doesn't mean I'm great and I serve you, but rather it's a humble putting ourselves in that one down position where we honor the other person. And today is share our faith, or I would say share our faith simple. Share our faith, keep it simple. So think of that when you're thinking the last part of this. What I want us to understand is we all want to bless other people. Forgetting the acronym, we all want to be a blessing in other people's lives, and that's what God does to us. And our story is good news. And sharing our story with other people is our ability to bless them so that they understand what God's doing in our lives. Our story sometimes gets misunderstood when we tell it the wrong way. And so this morning, I'm hoping that we will understand how simple it is to share our faith. Because this idea of sharing our faith and the way we talk it about bless is not something we do, it's something we are. Listen to the difference. We're not saying do these things. We say learn that this is what happens. This is a description of how we share our faith with someone. So you come to me and you say, well, the only thing I can do, I have a person in my life that won't have any conversation with me, they won't even talk to me, but I care about them, pray for them. Begin with prayer. Keep the prayer. You're sharing your faith. You're part of that process as you're 
praying for that person. Maybe somebody just needs a listening ear. We don't have to do it all. It's not like I have to say, oh, I check this off and this off and this off. As we're living out any of that aspect, we are helping others understand and come to faith and making room for God to do his work to bring people to faith. Is that starting to make sense? This is not an acronym of how to force somebody into believing what we believe. This is a process whereby we can effectively do what the Scripture teaches us on how to talk to other people. And it's not just the story of how they can come to faith in Christ or get involved with the church. It's any of the good news that God wants in their lives because we should be purveyors of good news. Let me show you how easy it is to share good news. I love Sedona. Anybody else here ever been to Sedona? Do I get hands? Okay, a few of you have. Anybody who hasn't, I hope after you hear the good news of Sedona, you're going to want to go there yourself. You see, there are beautiful red rocks in Sedona. Somebody was reminding me they, when they go to Sedona, they told me after the first service, they fly into Phoenix, just like we do, and you drive through the desert, and it's all dark and brown, and you get to see some cactuses. Pretty soon the cactuses are gone, and you're just in the middle of desert, and all of a sudden you start seeing these red rocks in the distance, and as you come in, you just start getting engulfed with them. It's absolutely beautiful. If that's not enough, some of the best Native American ruins are in Sedona, and very close. And they're free. Isn't that great? You get to go somewhere and it's not been commercialized. You just go and you get to see them. And you get to see where Native Americans lived in cliffs, in cliff dwellings. You also get, there's a, a place called Montezuma's Well, which is an oasis in the middle of the desert there. And you see how Natives lived in the area and had their own farms. It's absolutely spectacular. You just get to get in touch with history in North America that goes back over a century. It's wonderful. And my favorite of them all, of the Native American ruins, is an old ranch. It's called the V-Bar V Ranch. Because it was a ranch and these Native American ruins were on it, it didn't get destroyed the way tourist stuff gets destroyed. Just a family owned this ranch. And they had this wall of pictographs, which means there are all those, and you've seen pictures of them, the little carvings that Native Americans put on walls. But what's most fascinating is not only is that the best example of pictographs in North America, what they discovered about it, it was done by a Native American holy man who was wanting to communicate to the people who lived in that area. And so they were showing that, and the guy was explaining it, because again, it's free, but they do put a tour guide there. It's been taken over by the Historic Society in the area. And as he was sharing it, he said, you know, this is what they did. The native holy man would, would carve these things, and it would remind people of how to live. And I said, oh, it's a sermon. That's what it was. You get to see a Native American sermon right in front of you. But that's not the best of Sedona. The best of the best is they have an awesome Starbucks and when you're at their Starbucks, it overlooks a rock that looks like Snoopy, and it's called Snoopy Rock. So you can sit and drink a cup of coffee and look at Snoopy Rock. Sharing good news is not hard, folks. If something means something to us, we share it with somebody. We just tell them something that's important to us. And that's what our faith is, is learning to share our story. And the passage we're looking at today is John chapter 9, it's one more time when Jesus is with his disciples. 
And one of the things that we learn over and over with Jesus and his disciples is they mess it up just like we do. Do you think of it as Jesus with 11 people from, or 12 people from Faith Community Church, just, you know, asking our questions and, and doing things wrong and Jesus correcting us. And they're walking along this day, and they come across a guy, and this day the person they come across is blind. The problem is, once again, the disciples become judgmental, just like us. What caused this? Who's at fault here? Why is there a problem? Who did something wrong? They start blaming because that's what we human beings do, and they're just like us. There's a problem. This guy's blind. Somebody must have done something wrong. Jesus, however, corrects them. And so as our story begins, it helps us realize that if you and I are going to share the good news, which we all have good news, and by the end of the message, I hope we all hear the good news we have to share, it begins by learning to extend grace. Not judgment, grace. Not condemnation, grace. Not, oh, you did this wrong, but grace. Grace is God's riches. I like it defined this way. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God's love and God's unconditional love for every single human being. And our relationship with God is based on grace. It's based on God caring about you and me and understanding that we mess up. And so Jesus came to this world to be our Savior, to forgive us, to show us that we're special and important and do something to take care of the sin problem in our life. And so in verses 1 through 3, we start hearing this encounter between Jesus, his disciples, and this guy at the side of the road who's blind. We read that as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Hear what they did? They didn't give a possibility that it just happened. They said somebody must have done something wrong. They went so far back because they thought that maybe, the, how, you know, how does a newborn baby do something wrong that, that causes him to be blind? But they immediately went to pointing fingers and finding fault. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Jesus literally answered the question the way I like to frame things in people's lives. What's great about this? Every situation, no matter how bad it is, is an opportunity for us to see God work. Amen? That's our faith. It doesn't mean the situation is good, but it's an opportunity that we can trust God and we can see God's grace working and we can see the Bible teaches, even out of the worst things, good comes out of them. So the disciples saw a problem and they looked for blame. Who caused this? Condemning and figuring out guilt and what's been done wrong messes with our minds every time. Every time. If you and I go no further than to constantly just be asking ourselves, what did I do wrong to cause this? Oh, I feel bad about this. And helping other people feel worse about what they've done, it doesn't do anything positive. There's nothing good that comes from that. Because our story begins with grace being extended to us, not blame. And sharing our faith means that we learn to practice acceptance and extending God's grace to other people. That's what it means to be a Christian who shares the good news of God's love with others. Many people are turned off to faith 
because they have guilt and shame. And they say, it just keeps me away. I don't want to go to a church or somewhere where they're just going to tell me all the stuff I already know about myself and all the things that are wrong in my life. And if that is the best that we have to offer, we don't have good news. That's not good news. You see, people know the problems in their life. We don't have to double down and repoint them out to them. And it's so easy for us to become like the disciples where the Scripture teaches us to learn to be like Jesus. I believe this blind man even knew that people were whispering about him. Think about it. He's been at the side of the road begging. He's heard what people say. He probably heard things that people didn't think that he could hear them say. Because they're standing, they're talking, thinking, well, he can't see me, but he's hearing every word. And so now another group of people, some religious people who are following Jesus, are there just doing the same thing. You can almost imagine what goes through his mind. But what does Jesus say? There's no blame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's no shaming people. Let's move away from that. Philip Yancey wrote a wonderful book. It's called What's So Amazing About Grace? What's So Amazing About Grace? And in it, he tells the story of Jeffrey Dahmer. And he says, Jeffrey Dahmer is one of the most notorious serial killers in America. And he said, but when he got to prison, a chaplain worked with him, and he gave his life to Christ, and he said, I've been forgiven by Christ. And he said, I am not here to tell you whether Jeffrey Dahmer was sincere or not, but I am here to tell you something else. The God I serve extends grace to even Jeffrey Dahmer. The God we serve, his love permeates everyone and goes to everyone. Now, my brother is a retired police officer. And if you would drive down the road 95 miles an hour and he would pick you up because it was a 55-mile-an-hour zone, you could say, God forgave me, and he would give you a ticket anyhow. So we need to get that balance. God's grace and God's forgiveness doesn't mean we go scot-free in this world for the things we've done wrong. But God is a God of love and care and grace and understanding and forgiveness. And that's what the blind man experienced that day. A few years ago, probably about 10 years now, I was asked to testify in court. It's something that happens from time to time. And I was a character witness for somebody, and I was up in Boston in a courthouse, and when it came my time to talk, I just gave witness to the things that I'd seen positive in this person's life. The lawyer on the other side, I wasn't prepared for this. I thought I was just going to say something and sit down. Started questioning the things I'd said, and then went to this and said, is he sincere? I said, you know, if I knew who was sincere or not, I'd be a multimillionaire. At which point the judge laughed and said, that's a pretty good answer. And I said, you know what I've learned in life? To accept people at what they say. Let God figure out the rest. The lawyer didn't have any more questions and I got to sit down. That's what we're asked to do, folks. We're asked to extend grace. Not to condemn, not to, not to point out one more fault in people's lives, but to understand that the good news, the message of God's love begins with us understanding that forgiveness is offered to us. Yes, we need to come to terms with things we've done wrong. Yes, people do. But God does that work and we need to learn to trust that the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives. Amen? I want to say that again because I didn't get a good amen on that one. The Holy Spirit is working in people's lives. Amen? That's everybody's life. When you're talking with someone, when you have somebody that you care about, it's important for us to start realizing God's already doing the work in their lives. That's why you're in their life. And so we're not here to mess it up. 
We're here to share the good news and to share our story so that God can use that along with everything else that God's doing to help change and transform people's lives. But in order for that to happen, we must trust. That's such a tough word for us because we don't really like trusting as Christians. We really prefer controlling. You see, if I control, I manipulate stuff and then I tell God to bless it. That's not what the Bible teaches What the Bible teaches us is to give it to God and trust that God is going to do the work. Listen to how this guy learns to trust God. Verses 5 through 7. Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud on the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing I'm sorry, that's a weird ask, folks. You come to Pastor Stan and you say, I'm having trouble in my life. He says, here, let's go out to the the garden here. Let me take some dirt, let me spit in it, let me make some mud and rub it in your eyes. You're like, I don't think so. But in the process, what we're hearing is trust even when it doesn't make sense. Because see, Jesus asked him to do that. In our lives, there are times in our life when what we're asked to do to trust in God makes about as much sense as Jesus spitting on the ground and rubbing something in our eyes because we don't want to trust, and so we're invited to turn it over to God. But you don't understand. In this situation, I need to do something. Actually, the Scripture teaches in this situation, I need to step back and give it to God and believe that He's working. That's a tough thing to do. But in order for us to share our faith, there's nothing for us to share if we don't learn to trust God. If we have our kids and we just constantly think that we're the only ones responsible, I'm not saying we're not responsible, but we're the only ones responsible and we can't trust, what do we tell someone else? Hey, I'm a good Christian. I just meddle in my kids' lives their whole life. How old are your kids? 47 and 48. But you know they really need a mom and dad. It's almost like we become like that. We've got to learn to trust. We've got to learn to turn things over to God. Spit, mud, spread on your eyes, go to a pool. Tough stuff. But the thing is that the man trusted and obeyed everything Jesus told him to do. Faith is learning to trust God. It's that simple. Faith is learning to trust God. It's learning to say this situation doesn't make sense, but I'm going to give it to God, and I'm going to trust that God's going to do his work. Faith won't always make sense to us. There are many times in our life when we think we know better than God, but we're not God. Controlling makes us think we have control, but it doesn't. When we interfere and we get involved with stuff that we know we shouldn't be involved with, It really doesn't mean that we have control. It just means we have the illusion of control. But trust does something different. It lets go and gives space for God to do his work. And when we start doing that, we start realizing that God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. God does for others what they can't do for themselves. And now we have something to share with someone else. Because remember what this is about is sharing our story. You see, when we obey, when we trust God, now I have something to tell someone else. So let's try some simple ones here. I didn't feel like going to church. But I did. And I had a better day. That's a faith story, folks. 
I didn't feel like going to church. I went. I saw people. I sang some songs. I listened to a message that went on too long. And I felt better about my day. I was so angry at, you can put the name in, that I wanted to tell them off. But instead I prayed. Guess what? I can now share that with someone. Somebody tells me that they're having problems with someone, and I, I don't tell them what to do. I just say, huh, reminds me of the time I had so much anger at so-and-so or a person in my life, and I just prayed. And you know, I felt better. I just gave it to God. See, that's sharing our faith. That's sharing the good news. It's a simple story that we share. I was filled with guilt and shame until I gave it to Jesus, and strangely, I'm okay. That's a salvation message. Jesus forgave me and did for me what I couldn't do. I've shared different times about how I came to faith. It's always been interesting to me because I grew up in the church and my dad was a pastor, so everybody would think, well, of course, you became a Christian as a kid, but I really didn't. I was a kid who sat in the back row and kind of made fun of anything that was going on in church. That was my story. And most people were shocked when they found out I was the Cushing who became a pastor. But it really started when I was a freshman at Moorhead State University in, in Minnesota, and I've shared that it was through Campus Crusade for Christ. But this week, I started thinking as I was preparing for this message, I never have ever told about the guy who led me to Christ. His name was Jim Garcia. Now, Jim was an interesting person because in North Dakota, you don't have the Red Sox and the Yankees, and you don't have the Celtics and the Lakers. You have North Dakota State University and the University of North Dakota. Okay, and when you're a kid growing up, you're either a Bison fan or you cheer for that team that won't be mentioned. I was a Bison fan. I cheered for NDSU. I still do. That's why I tell you guys, you know the best football team in America? It's actually North Dakota State University. We've won more national championships than anyone else. They won't even let them be a Division I team. Most of us from North Dakota say that's because they're all afraid that we're going to be up on the Big Ten teams, but that's a story for another day. Point still is, I grew up a North Dakota State fan, and I didn't like the University of North Dakota. But I went to the games, and I always went up to Grand Forks and to Fargo to watch the NDSU-UND game, so I'd seen this guy, Jim Garcia, play a game a lot of times. Here was the problem. For four years, UND kept beating North Dakota State, and Jim Garcia was their star guard. I hated him. I didn't know him, but I hated him. I booed him and said some things that I can't repeat in church on a Sunday morning. And now I'm in the student union, and a guy comes up and starts talking to me, and I said, I know who you are. You're Jim Garcia. He said, yes. I said, you played basketball for UND. He said, yes, I did. Now I've graduated from college, and I'm serving with Campus Crusade for Christ. And then he shared his faith story with me. It's very simple. He said, I would get nervous during a game and I'd pray at midcourt and it calmed me down. That's it. That's a line that led me to Jesus. Because here's the other part of that whole story. I remember him standing at midcourt. That meant there was a free throw going and he was a guard who was standing out at midcourt where everybody else was under the basket and I was yelling obscenities at him. But you know what? He said he was nervous, and he prayed. And I also remember he would hit those game-winning shots or hit the clutch free throw, and that's why we cheered against him. You see, our faith story is really very simple. It's what's God done for me. 
It's where have I trusted God? All he was telling me is I had learned to trust God and it made a difference. Jim trusted God. The blind man trusted God. We trust Christ. We trust in God. And when we do, we have something to tell people. But we don't have something to tell if we don't trust God. Nobody cares about our opinions. And so people will often say to me, you know why I don't speak about my faith? It's because I don't have answers to everything. To which I say, that's good, because people don't want your answers anyhow. People don't want you and me trying to disprove or prove anything. All we have to share is our story. All we have to tell is the good news of what God's doing in our life. And so as we're talking about being people who share our faith, yes, we pray, yes, we listen, yes, we eat with people, yes, we serve, but there comes a point where we just say, you know, this is what's happened in my life, and look what God's done. And we let God do the rest of it, because we believe we serve a God who does that work, and that's why it's important that we keep it simple. The story of the blind man is one of the most comical in Scripture. You can read it, and I invite you to go back and read it again. You'll find it in John chapter 9. And as you read through those first verses, you come to this whole scene where all of a sudden people started to wonder how this guy got healed. And people started to say, must be a different guy. I don't think that's really the blind man that was there all along. I think it's someone else. And then somebody else came along and they said, well, you know what? It was a Sabbath. That's the day he got better. And Jesus healed him on a Sabbath. That means Jesus is a bad guy, so Satan must have done the whole thing. At which point the parents get called in. Is this really your son? What really happened? Was he really blind before? The parents finally look at everybody and say, you know what? Our son is old enough to speak for himself. Let him tell you what happened. Finally, the man who trusted Jesus, the man who went from being blind to being able to see, gave a testimony. He shared his faith. And he shared his faith in the most innocent and simple manner. He says, I don't know whether Jesus is a sinner. I love that line. I don't know who this guy was that I met. But I know this. I was blind and now I see. Amen. Bam, he nails it. All I know is my life was a mess, and now it's better. All I know is I couldn't see, and now I can see. That's our message, folks. That is our message. All I know is one day I just had my eyes open, and I realized that Jesus could do for me things that I couldn't do for myself, and I've chosen to trust in him. This is why we can all share our simple story. Let me share my testimony in a very simple manner. Part one. I was raised in the church, but I felt disconnected until I started a relationship with Jesus. That's it. I grew up in the church. Everybody else seemed to be part of something. I, I didn't. I even remember being at Vacation Bible School, and they did a little altar call, and I just kind of felt disconnected from it all. Until one day, a guy named Jim Garcia talks to me, and all of a sudden, I start building a relationship with Jesus, and it all changed. But I have a second part to my story. My insides didn't match my outsides until I learned to live in the moment to quit thinking about the past and the future and learn to live today and trust today. If someone wants to know more, they can ask me. And trust me, some people ask me, and most people don't care. That's all I need to share. That allows me to share my faith anywhere I go. So let's try your story, only you get to write it yourself. 
Maybe this is your story. I don't have all the answers, but days I trust God, I do better. Hear that? How hard is that to tell our kids? You know? Today I learned to trust God in something and I'm feeling better. That's it. You don't need to say more. You just shared your faith and you trust that God's doing the work in someone's life. Here's another one I like. I was a mess and now I'm not as much of a mess. Notice I didn't say I'm better. Because <laughs> I know all of you, you're not better yet. And neither am I. We're all perfectly imperfect. But when we learn to trust, things go better. Here's another one. I grew up in a Christian home and God has always been with me. That's my wife's testimony. She knew Jesus from the time she was a little girl. She says she can't remember times she didn't have a relationship with Christ. That's a testimony. That's what we can share with others. If people want to know more, they can ask. But here's the thing that the Bible teaches. Paul says, one person plants a seed, another person waters it, but God gives the increase. You don't know and I don't know when we just simply are able to bring our faith into our life and be able to make it a comfortable part of who we are, where God has that person in the process, and it's not our business. I've seen people who it took 80 years of their life from the time that their parents dedicated them as children and prayed for them until 80 years of age they came to faith in Christ, and for some reason it happened at that moment. I've seen others who have given their life to Christ instantly, and everything has started to change and life starts to get better. I see others who go through processes and there's, there's stages of things get worked out. Everybody's on their own journey. But here's the thing for us. We can learn to live a Christian life in which we are able to testify to who God is in our life and why we trust in Jesus as our Savior. But don't begin by arguing with someone. Don't begin by thinking you have the answers. Don't begin by reading one more book or studying something else. Begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. And if we never get beyond prayer, guess what? It's all going to be fine. Because if you're praying for someone, the opportunities to talk more is going to happen. And learn to listen. Let's learn to be open. As my wife tells me, remember, Stan, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. It's true with all of us. Learn to eat. Be vulnerable with people. Build relationships with people. If that's what we are as a church, a gracious church, that's good. If we're a church for people just to come, if they don't find anywhere else, then have them come here. Come have a cup of coffee with us. I remember the woman who attended here for a number of years, and she came in and she was an atheist. And she said, is it okay that I'm an atheist? I said, absolutely, it's okay you're an atheist. If that's where you are, that's where you are. She came to Bible studies over the years. She got very involved with a lot of stuff, and she finally eventually moved away. And she said, Pastor Stan, I'd like to share my testimony with you. I said, sure. She goes, I came to this church as an atheist, and I'm leaving as an agnostic. I think I'm making progress. <laughs> That's okay, folks. We need to trust God. We need to quit thinking that we have to do it ourselves. Learn to serve. Learn to be humble. Learn to forgive. And not always have to say, oh, no, I had it right, but learn to say, no, I'm sorry, I had it wrong. And let's learn to tell our story. But please, let's make it simple. Let's keep it simple. Because God's work and God's grace in our life is a simple, basic thing. If I can share how great Sedona is, can't we share how great our God is? 
Maybe this is our testimony. My pastor told me about Sedona, and it reminded me that God made beautiful red rocks out in Arizona. There it is. We share our faith in a simple manner, and we trust that God will do the work with those in our life, and we don't have to manipulate or persuade or twist anybody's arms. Far too many people go through this world and assume that those of us who are gathering on a Sunday morning are sitting here strategizing to figure out ways to come up with arguments for all the things that they believe so we can persuade somebody of something else. That is not what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is to learn to turn our life and our will over to the one who created us, to the Lord who gave his life for us, to the one who loves us no matter what we've done. We're always welcome back, and we're always having grace extended to us. And then we learn that we're kind of like the disciples and we're quick to judge and say negative things about other people, but then we hear the voice of Jesus coming into our ear and into our heart, allowing us to extend grace. And as we do, we have something to share with others. If you have people in your life that you wrote down in your blessed card, keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. If you didn't get a blessed card, go get one. They're still on the welcome table. There's still some left. Take one with you and just write a name down. Just think about the people in your lives that you'd like to share your good news with. Maybe it's somebody who is a Christian and they're just having a tough time and what you're needing is to help them learn to trust Jesus more. Maybe it's somebody who is antagonistic or has walked away from their faith or has no desire to know anything about God and doesn't care at all, but you love them and you just know their life would be better if they would find a way to turn their life over to Jesus. Just write their name down. It's between you and God. The most important thing is to realize that we have a story. We sang it last night. We're not going to sing it today because in our traditional service, we still sing those old hymns like we have a story to tell to the nations. And that's what we're talking about today. We have a story, each one of us. And your story is special. I began the service by saying, what is this? Say it together. What is this? Here's the end. You are also a Bible. You are the only Bible that many people will ever read. They won't pick up their smartphone and go to Bible Gateway, but they will see how you and I live. They'll see if we trust God. You are a Bible. What are you? What is this? We take this and Scripture and we absorb it into our lives and we learn to trust in God and live that way so other people, when we talk to them, they see how we live and they see that we can trust God. And just remember, that's a privilege. And that's why we have good news to share. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you to care about us more than we can even fathom. And you care about the people in our lives that we're concerned with more than we can even imagine. Help us learn to live out a simple faith. One that trusts in you and shares and bears witness to it with others. Yes, there are deep questions and yes, there are things that people want to wrestle with and we do not disparage that. But our primary concern is to share good news, to accept the grace you've given in our life, to learn to trust you and to be able to simply tell others. We pray your blessing on faith community, on the families and on this community. May we shower blessings on others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.